Welcome to Office Hours, a social science podcast produced at the University of Minnesota, featuring conversations with prominent scholars, researchers, and others movers and shakers in the social world. Last Monday, Jason Collins announced to the world that he was gay via an article he wrote for Sports Illustrated. In doing so, he became the first active male athlete in one of the big four professional sport leagues to come out. And, to put it mildly, the media took notice. In the past week, Collins has been featured on the front page of ESPN, New York Times, CNN, and many other prominent news sources. He also received phone calls from not one, but two presidents. Today we are joined by David J. Leonard to help us understand the significance of this event. David is an associate professor in the Department of Critical Culture, Gender, and Race Studies at Washington State University, and he has authored a number of books, including After Our Test, The NBA, and The Assault on Blackness. Thank you for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. Let's start with uh, perhaps the most obvious question. Why is this announcement garnering such a reaction, and why is it considered such an important moment? So I think, I mean, there, there's obviously several things in, in operation, and I think it is an important context to think about uh, the recent uh, efforts of Chris Cluey and Brendan Ivan Dejo and, and other athletes um, who have uh, been out front in terms of marriage equality, uh, in terms of uh, being uh, athlete allies, to, to, to really change the culture uh, that, that, that paved the way for Jason Collins' uh, announcement. Clearly, the, yeah. the NBA and its importance... Um, on the national landscape, uh, you know, propels the visibility uh, and the national interest. Um, I also think the fact that the the playoffs were going on, the spotlight was already on the NBA. I think that furthered uh, the narrative. Um, as you said, the fact that he was the first uh, male athlete uh, to, to uh, not only be an active player, but to announce uh, that he is gay uh, to the public. As, as others have noted, as someone like Glenn Burke uh, was, mm-hmm. uh, those within the organization and his teammates knew. It just wasn't a national um, story. And again, that I think points to a really uh, different media moment. Uh, and, and uh, when you're referring to Glenn Burke, you're referring to the baseball player uh, on the athletics in, uh, I believe, the 70s. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, obviously the, 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 the media landscape changed so much uh, that mm-hmm. propelled uh, not only the reaction to Collins, but also the, the efforts of uh, Brendan Ayabadejo and, and others. Um, you know, he, he Brendan has said after the Super Bowl that that not one but several NFL players were going to uh, quote unquote come out. Uh, but I, but I think really there are two kind of fundamental issues that help us understand uh, the the widespread reaction. And one is okay uh, that Khan's announcement and then the reaction from. Uh, many, whether it be Presidents Clinton and Obama, uh, to 
uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, became a moment to celebrate uh, a notion of progress, a notion of, of a more tolerant uh, America. And so I think the fact that it came through the NBA, given uh, recent uh, incidences of involving uh, homophobic slurs, added to that narrative of, of top. So in many ways, it became a moment to celebrate ourselves uh, and not much celebrate uh, Jason Collins uh, and his courage. And more importantly, it wasn't a moment to uh, highlight the work that needs to be done. So I think because it was this moment of self-congratulations, that very much propelled uh, the national interest. I also think that the fact that heterosexuality is the assumed norm um, of uh, male sporting cultures is really central to why uh, Jason Kahn's announcement garnered national attention uh, compared to Brittany Griner's announcement. Uh, mm -hmm. The fact that that female athletes are still burdened with the with the uh, the assumption. Th about sexuality, that the, they're bur burdened with the assumption that athleticism and heterosexuality uh, are incom incompatible. So yeah, I mean, if you compare the subdued reaction to Brittany Griner's announcement to the 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 widespread reaction not only within the sports world but beyond of Jason Collins it really tells us about the way in which uh, gender and sexuality works in sports the assumption about male athletes is one of heterosexuality Collins disrupts uh, the assumption and the stereotypes uh, in, in, in significant ways uh, Griner's announcement actually confirms a long-standing stereotype uh, Long before, you know, she acknowledged, uh, others speculated, demonized, and denounced. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we obviously don't see that with Jason Collins. Almost, uh, we see the opposite, where people are surprised, shocked. Uh, uh, you know, so there's a, an inherent difference, um, which are both bound up in uh, the way in which gender and sexuality, sexism, and homophobia operate within and beyond uh, sporting arenas. Could we go back to the point you made about uh, self this being a moment of self-congratulation? I'm wondering if this is one of those cases where there's such a celebration and, and a rush to talk about the progress that's been made that it basically silences the work that still needs to be done um, and says, well, problem solved. Yeah, I mean, I think there is that, that danger of of not acknowledging its importance, but also acknowledging uh, the work that still needs to be done uh, within sport, sporting cultures and beyond. Um, and at the same time, you know, I, I think when we look at uh, the broader issues that are, that are still at work, this isn't a post-homophobia moment uh, that, that some seem to be hinting at. 
you know, I saw one meme that, that made it clear that in 29 states, Jameson Collins could be fired from his job uh, because of uh, his, his sexual orientation. Uh, you know, if we look at, you know, if we go to uh, that, there's a, a website called No Homophobes that documents uh, homophobic slurs online and just go to the day that Jason Collins announced uh, and slurs are circulated uh, with the same level of frequency on that day, the day after as the day before. And so this notion of, of congratulations and celebration needs to be thought of in terms of well, what, what are we celebrating? Um, are we celebrating Jason Collins' ability and courage to not to to defy the expectations and the box, the masculine box that is pushed uh, and mandated on athletes and beyond, um, or are we celebrating this as a as a as a change uh, or evidence of change, uh, and not as a as a signpost on a longer journey towards justice and equity? Has has anything surprised you about the reaction or? Considering the, uh, the the general assumptions made about sexuality and sport, uh, is this the reaction you would have expected? Um, yeah, I don't. Nothing really surprised me. Uh, as I said, the celebration, uh, and I think the celebration of the nation as being exceptional, or the NBA as being exceptional, or the sporting world as being exceptional, um, has been over the top. But I don't necessarily think that shocked me. Uh, I think the lack of awareness um, from commentators hasn't really shocked me, but it's, it's stuck out that you have commentators who say, well, I cannot imagine having to hold this in. Uh, I cannot imagine the pressure and the anxiety of not being able to, to share this part of me uh or you've had commentators say i can't imagine that my twin brother didn't know it hasn't really shocked me but but the lack of self-reflection about uh heterosexual privilege in this regard it it has given me pause um because these commentators haven't named it as privilege uh, it's it's been shock and awe as opposed to looking inward and saying, well, you know what? What does it tell uh, us that I don't have to worry about these things? What does it tell uh, me about a society where uh, these burdens uh, about one's uh, sexuality um, are not felt uh, by heterosexuals? And so it, it, it was a missed opportunity uh, in, in that regard. Do you have any sense of how um, scholars of sport, of sport have responded, or is it still too soon to, to know that? Well, I mean, I, I mean clearly there's scholars who, who are writing, um, you know, Mark Anthony Neal and, and Darnell Moore and uh, others. Uh, Kaisi Lyman wrote a piece talking about Brittany Griner and Jason Collins and... And, and the way in which 
uh, Jason Collins is being commodified in particular ways. Uh, so, I mean, I think uh, if we also look before the announcement, there's been so much writing about uh, the intersections of of gender and sexuality within sporting cultures that 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 foundation and that work um, of of a spectrum of scholars uh, uh, helps us understand uh, both the importance, uh, but also to reflect on the types of reactions. But uh, the the other thing uh, that I think is important. Um, that that some scholars have have talked about is the importance uh, on uh, GLBTQ youth uh, and its and its its impact uh, or its potential impact in terms of uh, youth identity formation uh, in terms of the locker room. Uh, but I yeah I mean it, it it's, it's pretty pretty soon. Um, but I think the the, the important questions have already been asked um, and will continue to be asked in terms of well, what does it mean uh, within sporting cultures, but also what does it mean beyond? Perhaps this would be a good time to talk about how race plays a part in this story. Um, Jason Collins starts his article with the explicit statement, I'm a 34-year-old NBA center, I'm black, and I'm gay. And yet the media is focused on the second part of that, the I'm gay part, but not really talked a lot about race. Well, I mean, I, I think um, it, it's important because uh, he, uh, from from the first sentence of the piece, mm-hmm. I believe that was the first yeah. sentence. That's the uh, very beginning of it. It acknowledges the way in which identities are intersectional. Um, so he he is very much pushing in a public discourse a uh, a clear framework to understand who he is. And how it's how it it's constituted by both of these uh, identities, and and more. I mean, and more than that, uh, his masculinity, uh, his class status, and so I think uh, his 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 vocation as a basketball player. Um, these are all different parts of who he is, and you can't understand uh, one without the other because they're intersectional. Uh, and so I think the media and others have missed. Uh, an opportunity uh, to talk about what that means. What does it mean that when we look at uh, the recent uh, female athletes um, who have come out uh, that a a disproportionate number, um, or maybe not a disproportionate, several notable cases have been African-American women. what does that mean within the larger history of uh, the gay and lesbian movement that has off that has been criticized uh, for uh, the erasure and exclusion of people of color? Uh, you know, during various moments of that history, what does it mean in terms of a pop culture that often imagines uh, gay and lesbians through whiteness? Um, so I think it's very much challenging. Uh, the way in which which the national conversation uh, and the national representation of gays and lesbians is framed around whiteness at, at the same time that homophobia within the public discourse is often framed around blackness. Yeah. Uh, that, that we have these, 
these these juxtapositions of uh, white, often middle class uh, experiences being framed as the gay and lesbian experience, and then you have examples that are often pushed and reflected on in the public discourse, whether it be sports or hip hop or the church, that imagine and, and isolate homophobia as something specific to blackness. And so I think this moment becomes a, an important moment to complicate and challenge uh, the narrow constructions um, of both homophobia, which often, again, uh, is, is, is done in a way that, that pathologizes uh, blackness and in terms of homosexuality that is often imagined through uh, the experiences of whites. Um, and then at the same time, I think we need to add additional variables to, to complicate intersectionality because his class status, um, yeah. his educational background, his uh, assumed uh, identity that kind of fulfills notions of respectability all yeah. fuels the, the, the kind of media interest and the media narrative. Yeah, and, and even as people have ignored the uh, how race plays a part in the story commentators refer to him as being the perfect person to make this announcement um, and when you look at him being the perfect por- person he doesn't have an ordinary backstory um, he was ex- he was successful at stanford he roomed with the kennedy um, i believe he was friends with chelsea clinton um so there, there- yeah yeah well i mean there was a story in the la times that to me shows how this has operationalized uh, in terms of class, in terms of education, uh, and in terms of race. And the story is about his, it's really, a, uh, I think the title might be a story of two LAs. Um, and you, you, you have a story that, that provides uh, a discussion of his high school, Harvard-Westlake, uh, which is a, a private school uh, right on the, well, it's, it's it's in the va- in the valley part of uh, Los Angeles, but it's kind of right at the edge. Um, so okay. it's 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 be at the, the the bridge between the West Side and and the Valley uh, for those okay. who know the area. And and so the story very much framed it as he went to this school, and this is the place of where uh, this is a place of tolerance. This is a place where uh, sexuality race, class, difference didn't matter, and that it provided a, an important lesson uh, to him uh, that, you know, set him on this path uh, that, you know, ultimately led to this announcement. And so it interviews people there, and it's like, oh, look how tolerant, look how wonderful this place is. And then they interview people from an inner city school in Los Angeles, and it's framed as, well, people are a little less uh, sure and uh, are confused and ambivalent and less supportive. Um, so very much framed, at, again, in this, in this paradigm of white liberals uh, lifting Jason up. Uh, and so I think it's very much wrapped up in this idea uh, 
of him being, you know, ideal, um, that he does, that he is ideal, um, in terms of America's and white America, particularly comfort around blackness, that he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, disrupt these notions of in people's minds. Cause clearly from his first sentence, he's, he, he's pointing to the way in which his, uh, experience as a black gay man matters. But in the national imagination, in the NBA context, his race is imagined as, as insignificant, as not marking him uh, as different. Uh, and so his, right, his class status, his connection to the Clintons, his Stanford education, uh, the, the fact that he wrote the piece himself and people were like, wow, it was so well written, yeah. um, all played out in, in really profound ways. I also found the, the notion of the, him being the perfect person um, to be wrapped up in this idea that because he's at the end of his career and that mm -hmm. because he's not a star that this makes it a, a also ideal. Um, and I, I think... It's, I mean, how, how do you think it might have been different yeah. if it were a young star uh, like Stephen Curry or Russell Westbrook who is just establishing themselves in the league? Um, I, I think it's complicated. I think there's different things that would, would play out you know, in, in each case. I mean, the fact that he's at the end of his career and not a star, um, you already hear this this kind of discourse emerging um, is that, that, you know, the question with any player, um, and this was always the reason uh, people said that players uh, have not and some who, who have cautioned against uh, players coming out um, have said, well, it, you know, it disrupts the locker room. Um, and the, the cohesion. Um, and you already see that with, with Jason Collins, that people are hinting, well, well, given the media fanfare, will he be now be a distraction? Will there be too much focus on him? And as a, as a 10th, 11th, 12th man on the bench, you don't want to be that distraction. So I think, I think that adds um, a layer that if it was a star player, there'd be no question um, in that regard. Uh, there'd be no question if, you know, you hear people say, well, is it worth the trade-off? The trade-off of the, you know, the number of media people who it would be at, at, at you know, those initial games. Uh, and none of which is anything that Jason will ask for. Um, and so it puts a burden on him, like it's his responsibility to keep the media spotlight off him as opposed to the media, like, you know, not doing what the media does. So I, I, I do think, I, I don't think it's as simple as, well, it would be, it's easier for him because he's at the end of his career and because he's, um, you know, a, a, a end of the bench uh, big man. Uh, yeah, I just think it's, I think it's more complex. And the notion, uh, I mean, I, I think you point to also the contradiction um, so we have a, a society that's that's basically saying, look how tolerant we are. Uh, look how 
much progress we have done, yet we're going to celebrate that he's the perfect person. Well, what does yeah. that say about us that we need, quote unquote, the perfect person and that we define the perfect person as someone who uh, is friends with Chelsea Clinton, who yeah. went to Stanford, uh, who's, who's not a star? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think these are things that require kind of greater discussion and reflection in terms of w what constitutes and is imagined as a as a perfect person and also how the notion of perfect is wrapped up in terms of of his you know his relationship status um yeah which we don't which we don't know about would people you know have been would he not have been as perfect if he had a partner um who was visible would he not be as as perfect if when he walked to the locker room at halftime uh, and, and he was met by his partner, uh, like Kobe Bryant has long been met by his partner and his kids, um, would we say, oh, he's not as perfect? Uh, because that doesn't say anything about him. That says about everything about what we as a society are comfortable with. Yeah. Uh, and points to the, the, the ways that, that uh, people are still uncomfortable uh, and still have levels of animosity and against uh, gays and lesbians. Let's, uh, let's focus a bit more specifically on the NBA context. Uh, does it surprise you that of the major sports, it was an NBA player who was the first to come out? Um, in terms of the momentum you were discussing before, um, in terms of actually debate over what mm -hmm. it would mean to have a gay player, the NFL certainly was receiving a lot more coverage and discussion. Um, no. Um, I don't think it, it... It doesn't surprise me for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, and Heinz Ward brought up this... I think it was Heinz Ward brought up the, the, the point that that an NBA locker room is 12 to 15 people. Yeah, that was Heinz Ward. Uh, an NFL locker room is, is you know, really, if you, you talk injured reserve, I mean, we're talking in the 60s. Um, mm -hmm. And just if you think in terms of a, a micro community, um, it's different uh, in that regard. Although I think sometimes we spend too much time thinking about the locker room as the greatest obstacle and not, the outside forces, uh, whether it be, uh, you know, management or uh, fans or the culture at large, but often we locate it that it's all about the locker room and it's about the hyper-masculine uh, and homophobic locker room that doesn't allow, uh, that hasn't allowed a player to, to, to come out. Uh, so I, I do think there's too much focus there and not on the broader implications. Mm -hmm. That being said, um, I think there's something to be said uh, in terms of the NBA and the way that the NBA and basketball uh, as a sport, not the NBA as a enterprise, and we can talk about that in mm -hmm. a sec, but the way is w which basketball promotes, uh, appreciates, nurtures individuality um, in ways that isn't part and parcel of the culture of the NFL. Okay. Uh, that, 
that that individual uh, identities, and again, uh, there, there's clearly in my entire books on the way in which those identities are policed uh, and mm-hmm. demonized, and that there's a push for particular types of identities and particular types of of bodies. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do think there's something in terms of the 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 individuality of the MBA that might help us understand why the MBA uh, was was the first. But given that we're talking many decades without a uh, openly uh, gay uh, athlete within the four, big four male sports, it's hard to say. You know, from one example, if if it's if there's a particular reason, you know, I also think uh, when when an individual from the NFL does come out, I think that the narrative will will be much more wrapped up in uh, notions of masculinity, um, physicality, uh, mm-hmm. in ways that that the response to Jason Collins' announcement didn't uh, prompt. Um, and so I don't. I, again, I don't. I don't know if that will affect um, the uh, the reaction. Um, I think if, if if Dave Zirin was here, he might talk about not that that the NBA um, is is a liberal uh, yeah. bastion, but he the, the NFL's politics and history um, from. Uh, ownership is is different from from the NBA, and again, I'm not saying that that the NBA yeah. is 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 liberal, but that might play out in particular ways. But I think there, it's probably a, a myriad of of, of factors. Um, but it doesn't necessarily surprise me that it was an NBA player. I do think it's uh, interesting you're bringing up how it would be different in terms of uh, the discussion of physicality. That in Jason Collins' article, he in one section really plays up. Um, his game as being, you know, a really physical type. I play down low. I've battled with Shaq. I've taken charges from Shaq. Um, so he basically, it seems like he's distancing himself or saying, you know, I'm not the person you would expect to be gay. I'm still the macho, tough guy. Right, right. I, I, I mean, I think one, he, he's he's pushing back at the assumptions and stereotypes. But of course, what he's doing is he's locating himself as different yeah, which doesn't necessarily disrupt the stereotypes. It's just saying, "Well, I'm I'm a physical player." Um, yeah. I also think it's interesting that yes, he's made his career on being a a physical enforcer type uh, player uh, who rebounds and plays defense, and so that is. I mean, so he's also in that moment selling um, his his skills um, mm. and his history in, in, in particular ways. But I, I also, and I didn't do that much, um, it would be, I didn't do that much documentation. I was just kind of looking at, it would be interesting to look at the way in which various networks, what images they used of oh, Collins, yeah. um, how often images have him, uh, you know, kind of in close proximity uh, to other players. Uh, and we can look at that both in terms of it emphasizing that physicality, uh, that masculinity. Um, yeah. But a more questioning read might be how it's playing upon you know people's fears 
um, of of you know two male bodies yeah. uh, cl- closely connected, um, and so I you know I think I think there's kind of an interesting dynamic uh, there, um, and I think in football we would see it as well. I think there'd be a particular discourse that would emerge uh, depending on the individual. Uh, depending on the position, uh, and so on and so forth. I'd uh, I bet money that you just inspired a research project right there. I'm sure someone is, yes. is trying yeah. to write out the proposal someone right it. now. <laughs> someone definitely do some do some uh, coding of of images to see um, what sort of images and, and and why. I mean, and and if you do the comparison um, to female athletes in in general, um, but also. Well, just in general, the types of images that are often used um, on article in articles about uh, women athletes often have uh, women athletes located um, in the home, um, located in or pictured in clothes outside of their uniforms. Uh, that that I think are 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 also should give us pause in terms of what sort of story is being told. Uh, or images with their uh, if they're uh, if they're married or have uh, boyfriends, particularly if they're famous. Uh, there's always a picture um, that again reminds us uh, of heterosexuality, uh, and so yeah, I think I think there's important work to be done there. Uh, um, so you mentioned thinking about the NBA as an enterprise, um, and. The NBA has a history of being uh, rather controlling of its image, although I suppose almost all the major sporting leagues do. Um, but how do you expect David Stern and uh, the NBA as a whole to move forward with this story? I, I don't, and of course, you know, David Stern's tenure is is coming coming to an end, and Adam Silver will take over. the The critic in me, or the cynic in me, will say that the NBA will do every uh, go to every length to both capitalize um, on uh, Jason Collins' announcement in terms of look at the NBA and its culture and its uh, acceptance and tolerance and so on and so forth, uh, while also marketing um, into uh, gay and lesbian communities. Uh, So, you know, the NBA will try and capitalize on it in in profound ways. Um, yeah, so just a, yet at the another same market time, to open up. Yeah, opening up markets. Yet at the same time, NBA will also try not to um, alienate other fans uh, who may be homophobic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so rather than, than you know, basically saying uh, to fans... Um, who might be homophobic or who might be uncomfortable? Uh, well, you know what? That's that's your issue. Uh, I, you know, given the history of the NBA, I can't see uh, the NBA uh, taking a stand uh, in, in ways that would potentially alienate um, its fan base. Um, so I'm hoping that that not only Jason Collins announcement but the work uh, or the the partnerships that the NHL have developed with athlete allies um, and other organizations that will see the NBA as an institution really try and change uh, 
not only its own culture, but the broader culture. Because what we see in terms of like the NBA over the last couple of years uh, with its fining of uh, players who have uh, uttered slurs is that it's about policing the players and not necessarily transforming the culture of the league yeah. and society as a whole. So I'm, I'm hoping that we see that, but I'm a little skeptical um, because it, it would seem that, that Collins' announcement could be used as, well, look, look, we've done what we need to do. Yeah. Jason Collins did this. We don't need to do any of these other things. Um, to transform, yeah, the the idea of mission yeah. mission accomplished. Yeah, nothing I mean, else to do. Yeah, right. And and I think the key is that 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 it, it's a moment where we can see the difference between diversity and equity. Diversity, uh, even with one individual, um, one can lead to tokenism, but two, that becomes the end goal rather than the starting point on the path towards equity let's uh let's let's conclude the interview with a rather big question so what if anything does this reveal about the role of sport in modern american society yeah i mean i think obviously it 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 points to the importance of sport uh and, and the importance and the potential of sport to be a vehicle of change um to create uh spaces uh, that disrupts uh, the status quo, and not only the status quo in terms of of who is accepted, who deserves the rights of everyone else. Um, so again, thinking about Jason Collins in the context of the fact that twenty nine other states or twenty nine states have laws that would allow him to be fired. Yeah. Uh, for, I mean, so to me, it provides that moment to reflect on that. Um, it, for for those injustices to be to be seen. Um, I also think it it points to an important moment to talk about the way in which sport and masculinity uh, operates um, and how uh, hyper masculinity that's defined through physical, uh, physicality, domination, heterosexuality uh, is commonplace. And so I think this uh, provides a moment to reflect on the problematics of the very narrow constructions of masculinity that permeate our society. Um, But at the same time, you know, as we talked about from the beginning, it doesn't mark some post-homophobic moment. Um, you know, whether whether we're talking about marriage equality, whether we're talking about hate crimes, whether we're talking about uh, the abuse that uh, GLBTQ youth, particularly youth of color, um, uh, trans youth uh, experience, uh, in terms of housing discrimination, in terms of slurs, uh, you know, it, it, it points to, to, to the limitations um, of 
this moment and not a limitations that clearly, you know, Jason Collins announcement, no one would expect uh, that announcement to usher in uh, transformation and whether it be uh, the, the, the commonality of slurs online um, or in terms of the law. But if people just assume that's it, that we're on this natural, organic march towards, towards equality and justice, and that from Martina Navratilova to Jason Collins, we're just seeing this progress. It's erasing uh, all of the organizing, all of the critical work that's being done or that has been done that's yet to be done. This isn't, this isn't a, a, uh, a natural process. This is a process that is the result of uh, the work of athletes, uh, both uh, gay and lesbian athletes, but also uh, heterosexual allies, uh, but also the outside of, of, of the community. And so whether we're talking about um, Martina Navratilova or whether we're talking about Jason Collins, um, it's, it's a signpost of shifts uh, in the culture, but the, the shifts and the changes are being ushered in through grassroots, grassroots organizing, agitation, and demands for justice and equity. Well, thank you again for joining us. Uh, it was a great conversation, and I have to say I really enjoyed having it. Thank you very much for having me, and thanks for the great questions.